The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of... Yeah, It's That Bad. This is the show that looks at supposedly bad movies and asks the question, is it really that bad? And what that boils down to is that we look at movies that are rotten on Rotten Tomatoes and we reevaluate that score. Does it really deserve to be that low? Tonight's movie is 2009's G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Directed by Stephen Sommers, starring Channing Tatum, Sienna Miller, Christopher Eccleston, Carolina Kirkova, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Rachel Nichols, Marlon Wayans, Ray Park, Lee Buyong hun and Dennis Quaid. G.I. Joe The Rise of Cobra is a 2009 science fiction action film based on the G.I. Joe toy franchise with particular inspiration from the comic book. This film currently holds a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. How about a plot synopsis? Two soldiers stationed in Kazakhstan, Captain Duke Hauser and his partner Ripcord, are ordered to transport special warheads created by Mars, an arms manufacturer controlled by James McCullen. When they are attacked by thieves, led by Anastasia de Cobre, with whom Duke has history. They are saved by a top-secret international special forces unit known as G.I. Joe. The leader of G.I. Joe, General Abernathy, or Hawk, is on the trail of the thieves, an evil organization called Cobra. While Duke and Ripcord train to join the Joes, McCullen is secretly working for Cobra and plotting to recapture his metal-eating nanomite warheads. Duke and Ripcord, with help from Heavy Duty, Snake Eyes, and the rest of the Joes, must prove that they are real American heroes by stopping the launch of these warheads before Cobra uses them to take over the world. Okay, Kevin, G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. What's your history with this? Growing up in the 80s, I had the toys. I watched the cartoon. I started out as a young kid with He-Man. And then you graduated? I moved up to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Ghostbusters. I think these were kind of concurrently. And then from there, I I distinctly remember going to my mom one day and saying, I think I'm done with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm going to start playing with G.I. Joes. Wow, very and, adult. And I was, I was exclusive to G.I. Joe for a number of years. I had tons of the action figures and vehicles. I had the Defiant Space Shuttle. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? No clue. It was a fortune. I think it was like $100. <laughs> and it was a space shuttle and a space launch station all in one. I don't know what G.I. Joe was doing in space, to be honest. I don't even know if I had a spacesuit for anyone. That's my history right there. Wow, that's the ultimate toy. That's the rich kid toy. That's like the Technodrome. That's like that level. Yeah, I, w- I was really lucky to get that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay, yeah. As for me, my history with G.I. Joe is I definitely watched this as a kid. I had the action figures. I distinctly remember that the, the little action figures, they used to be held together by like a rubber band. Like, yeah. like their legs were connected to the torso with a rubber band. And I used to twist it. And, and when I would let it go, they would do like a, like a spinning lariat, like Zangief from Street Fighter 2. And I I would always twist it so much that they would snap and I would break them. And that was was always heartbreaking. Yeah. So yeah, I love the show as a kid. I do not believe it holds up today whatsoever. I don't care what anybody tells me. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a good show. As for this movie, I kind of refused to watch it. I did not want to see it. Like when it came (laughs) out, I said, I'm not watching this yet. Here we are. And my only real experience with this movie was, and I'll never forget this, is I was in the theater to see, I don't even remember what, this trailer came on. The guy sitting next to me, he was a little excited. Excited when he saw the G.I. Joe trailer. Whenever like any of the ninja characters were on the, during the trailer, yeah. which was a lot, yeah. Yeah. this guy would go, <laughs> I am not making that up. He was making karate noises sitting next to me loudly. That's awesome. Yeah, that was really great. That really, really... You weren't there to see a kung fu movie, were you? Because that could have been a nightmare. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's what I remember the most about this movie. So I refused to see it in the theaters, too. I thought it looked like ass. A yeah, a pile of crap, basically. Okay, Kevin, let me read to you a very brief history of G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. In 2003, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura was interested in making a film about advanced military technology. Hasbro's Brian Goldner called him and suggested to base the film on the G.I. Joe toy line. Skip Wood was rewriting the script by March 2007, and he added the Alex Mann character from the British Action Man toy line. Bonaventura explained, Unfortunately, our president has put us in a position internationally where it would be very difficult to release a movie called G.I. Joe. To add one character to the mix is sort of a fun thing to do. The script was leaked online by El Mayembe of Latino Review, who revealed Wood had dropped the Cobra organization in favor of the Naja Ryan, a crooked CIA agent. In this draft, Scarlet is married to Action Man, but still has feelings for Duke and is killed by the Baroness. Snake Eyes speaks, but his vocal cords are slashed during the story, rendering him mute. Fan response to the film following the script review was negative. Bonaventura promised with subsequent rewrites, I'm hoping we're going to get it right this time. He admitted he had problems with Cobra. Concurring with an interview, they were probably the stupidest evil organization out there. (laughs) (laughs) They overtook the Foot Clan? No. Yeah, you're right. Hasbro promised they would write Cobra back into the script. In August 2007, Paramount Pictures hired Steven Somers to direct the film. G.I. Joe comic and file card writer Larry Hama was hired as creative consultant. Hama helped them change story elements that fans would have disliked and made it closer to the comics, ultimately deciding fans would enjoy the script. He persuaded them to drop a comic scene at the end of the film where Snake Eye speaks. After Variety had reported that G.I. Joe became a Brussels-based outfit that stands for Global Integrated Joint Operation Entity, there were reports of outrage over Paramount's alleged attempts to change the origin of the G.I. Joe team. Hasbro responded in its G.I. Joe site claiming it was not changing what what the G.I. Joe brand is about. And the name G.I. Joe will always be synonymous with bravery and heroism. The film was not screened for critics, and a sequel is currently being planned for a possible 2012 release. That first script actually sounds worse than the movie we just watched. Is that even possible? It is, apparently. Pretty impressive, though. That sounded terrible. (laughs) Action Man? Yeah. It's real original. You're going to really upset our British listeners (laughs) who love Action Man. Okay, Kevin, let's do what we always do at the top of the show, and we'll go one by one through the actors, and we'll see how you thought they did. Okay, first up, Channing Tatum. Tanning Chatham. What do you think of C. Tate's? He's not a good actor. Yeah, I'm going to throw that out there. That's shocking. I mean, he tried his hardest. He was putting real effort into it. I don't think I've ever seen a Channing Tatum movie. I've never seen Fighting or any of those other things. I've seen him before. Maybe I, just trailers? Yeah. I don't know if I've actually seen yeah, a full I've, I've, I've never one seen of one of his movies, movies so I, I can't. I don't know if I could judge it. Seems correctly. like he's always the same person. Tough guy, strong silent type. Yeah. I'll jump ahead and say a little bit of trivia here. You know, Sam Worthington was considered for the role of Duke, but turned it down due to scheduling conflicts with Avatar, which makes sense. I mean, that both of them are just these two blah, bland, very two-dimensional guys like this. Channing Tatum, he's the lead, right? He's the hero, right? Uh, yeah. He said almost nothing in this movie, very little. No, I think he said a lot. It just had, it didn't resonate. There's no substance. Yeah, all, exactly. In one ear, not the other. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I didn't, I didn't like his performance. I thought it was bad. And, and the, the parts where he was supposed to be a emotional i thought were laughable this was not the right movie for him i mean i think that character that he can play has a role elsewhere yeah 
and some of the other movies he's been in, but I don't think this was the right vehicle for him. Okay, Sienna Miller, Baroness. I don't recognize her from anywhere else before. I'm not sure I've ever seen her in any other movies either. She was okay, I guess. She's beautiful. I will agree 100% with everything you just said. Okay. So. That's easy. I really have nothing else to say on her. Like, you just, you nailed it. Christopher Eccleston. Doctor Who is in this. He's the bad guy. Yeah. McCollum, whatever. He was just your standard cardboard cutout villain. In a movie filled with wooden dead performances, at least he brought a little color. Okay, I'll agree with that. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Now, you have some things to say about him. That's my boy. I'll watch him in almost anything. Yeah, I'm a fan. He's. I'm going to say that he is probably one of the best actors to come out of our generation. And who would have known when you were watching Third, Third Rock, Rock from, from the, the Sun? sun. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome, yeah. He is. I really like him. He, he wasn't in it that much. He, he, he didn't do much, man. When I heard that he was going to be in this movie, I thought he was going to have a much more substantial role. What a waste. I think maybe they're setting that up for... Yeah, part two. Yeah. Ray Park, strong silent type, Darth Maul. Yeah, I don't know. We can really talk about his acting. Yeah, his his, it, his, his suit looked terrible. Oh, yeah. It looked like crap. Here's the complaint I had about the Transformers movie. Why does he have lips? He's a ninja wearing this ridiculous rubber suit. Yeah. Why does he have lips? Why is he wearing a rubber suit? What, how is that going to protect him in any way? I don't way? know. I don't know. Okay. Marlon Wayans. He was supposed to be there for comic relief, right? Yeah, supposedly. He didn't really provide that. <laughs> no. He was more annoying than But he was guy. trying. A for effort. You know what? I like Marlon Wayans. You know, working for a dream. He can be great. But okay. They, they always typecast him in these goofball things. Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I don't like that. I, I want to see more drama from him. Okay. And finally, king of all kings, <laughs> Dennis Quaid. You know, I, I came into this movie. I didn't even know he was in it until like it was too late. <laughs> <laughs> He was very, very wooden with oh, his delivery. yeah. And that's what you want out of a Quaid performance. <laughs> he brought it, brought his A-game. And he's another guy I'll enjoy just kind of watching up on the screen. I think he's a good movie star. He did the best he could, I think, with the material, too. I mean, he was given very how, wooden how, lines. How many times are we going to say that about Dennis Quaid? Like, he did the best he could, <laughs> like, every time? <laughs> so maybe he's just making some bad decisions of roles to take. <laughs> Ah, oh, yeah. The, the Quaidometer was, was was fluctuating a lot in this one, I thought. They didn't give him the, there wasn't enough Quaid time, I thought. No, 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 yeah. And no one really got a ton of screen time. It was split. There's a lot of quick cuts between all people. sorts of crap. And there really wasn't much dialogue. <laughs> all right, let's just get into this thing. Let's dissect G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. All right, so this movie starts off with one of the most confusing introductory sequences I've ever seen in a movie in my life. Ever. This is G.I. Joe, a military war movie. In fact, this movie, we know going in, they, they kind of want to have this kind of more futuristic slant to it. So where does the movie start off? France in the year 1641. And during the Spanish Inquisition, I guess. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? We were momentarily confused if we selected the right movie to play. That's what I said. I was like, is this the right movie? <laughs> it's like, it looks like Season of the Witch, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, it wasn't expected. And it really served no purpose. It didn't serve a purpose. I mean, a, a little bit, but it wasn't necessary. You know, like V for Vendetta started the same exact way, but that made sense. It wasn't really setting up the plot at all. It was just kind of setting up one specific character's really bad motivation. 
I gotta admit, I don't remember much from the cartoon. Yeah, I, same here. But I do remember that Destro was the metal man. He yeah. had a metal face. So we're gonna get bombarded with emails by people <laughs> correcting us about this. But yeah, Destro was the metal man, and like the the backstory that they cooked up was that his ancestor, his great great grandpappy in the 16th century, was the man in the iron mask or something. Yeah, basically. All right, so immediately after this, we we smash cut from the 16th century to sometime in the near future, which is what? The year 1750? I think they were, <laughs> I think they were indicating our not-too-distant future, not 1641's not-too-distant future. I, I can see how you could be confused by that. Yeah, so this, this is where we first meet uh, the villain, Christopher Eccleston. He's the villain, and, and they show that he's invented this new murderous weapon, which is like nanites that devour everything in the world that just keep going mm-hmm. and they just obliterate everything. What do you think of this kind of a weapon? It was cool. It, it's all different from your standard nuclear warheads or something like that. So at least it was inventive. I would say that, well, within the first five minutes, we go into the uh, the movie's first big action sequence. Mm-hmm. All right, so this action sequence, like this pretty much set up what we're about to experience for the rest of this movie. Just a lot of loud noises, quick cuts, an explosion on explosion, a lot of shaky cam. This movie was really shaky. Yep. It was kind of hard to follow sometimes in this movie. What do you think? Yeah, I I agree. There was also just a lot of shooting without any thinking. For instance, like in that first scene, Cobra comes in and they just start blowing up the trucks. Yeah, aren't they afraid they're going to blow up their precious warheads? Yeah, they don't know what truck that's in, do they? By the way, these warheads look like they're encased in a glass container. Yeah, they look very fragile. Yeah, and and they're blowing bombs up left and right next to it. Okay, so after this uh, stupid fight scene, we find out Channing Tatum and the Baroness, uh, Sienna Miller, they had a history together. And as the movie progresses, we find out that they used to be dating. How convenient that Duke and the Baroness just happened to meet on the battlefield. So when they had that first battle scene, the Cobra guys show up and they're in this firefight with the U.S. military or the NATO forces, whoever they were. were. I'm still confused as to who it was. The good guys are firing off machine gun rounds at these guys. They're throwing hand grenades at them. Nothing's phasing them. They're walking right through it, right? Oh, yeah, because they're shown earlier in the movie that Cobra... Or whatever, they're not even Cobra yet. Like, um, yeah. the bad guys have developed these super soldiers that feel no pain, feel no fear, and then they're like mind controlled. I mean, I don't see how hand, how that shields you from a hand grenade going off. Yeah, next you're to right. Because you, they seem to walk right through they it. They did. You're right. Like they threw a hand grenade and they just walked right through it. I guess it was their magic armor that they were wearing. Well, that's fine. Except when Snake Eyes shows up, he pulls out a handgun and shoots two of them in the head, basically, and they're down. Like a handgun took them down, but a hand grenade <laughs> that was nothing. That was a fly that they swatted away. The more I think about this movie, it's just it's draining me mentally <laughs> to even figure out like what to talk about because it's like, oh, did I just watch that? Okay, so what, when this fight scene is over, we get like Hollow Quaid. Well, holo- <laughs> yeah, holographic Dennis Quaid shows up right away. His line deliveries are so <laughs> dead and stilted. It's great. After this, we were presented with GI Joe's top secret base, which is located in probably the fakest looking desert ever shot in film history. <laughs> Would you agree? Like, that did not look like sand at all. No, it didn't. Especially given, like, you and I, we, we saw Rango. Remember that desert? Yeah. yeah. Desert? Uh-huh. That looked real. Yep. This looked like a joke. And I guess their base is, like, right next to the pyramids. Yeah, it's in Egypt. <laughs> it's like right next to the pyramids in Giza. Like, this is G.I. Joe. Real 
American hero, <laughs> and their home base is in Egypt. It just undermined all of what G.I. Joe stands for. They were an international team in this movie. I guess that's for a more box office appeal. Was it? Well, the one guy was British, the other guy was French. Yeah, but what about the, the actual like comic and cartoon and all that? Were they not? No idea. They, were they all American? I don't remember. I have no clue. So somebody listening, send us an email. Yeah, it's that bad at gmail.com. Yeah, tell us how stupid we tell are. Tell us everything we don't know about G.I. Joe. <laughs> Would you think of uh, when they throw out some of the G.I. Joe jokes, like the Kung Fu grip line? Oh, that went right over my head. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Marlon Wayne shakes the guy's hand and he like crushes it. And he's like, oh, you got the Kung Fu grip. Yeah, it, it really fell that flat. Was, that was one. The second one was Dennis Quaid. And knowing is half the battle. <laughs> Oh, which just... That was the Quaid special. He, he hit us hard with that one. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of laughter when that line was said. And then, and then finally, yo, Joe, <laughs> at the end. That juice was tacked on at the end. They couldn't find any place to put it, so they just made it like... They the hit all the catchphrases. They did them all. Now, one of the highlights of this movie, you and I were jumping for joy when this <laughs> scene hit. Okay, so Marlon Wayans and Channing Tatum are being recruited in a G.I. Joe. And in order for them to join the team, they have to go through these rigorous tests and they have to pass in order to join the team. One of the scenes, they're like jousting and yes. doing all this. Jousting. Like American gladiators are doing all this ridiculous stuff. In one of the greatest cameos of all time, <laughs> their training instructor is none other than Brendan Fraser. And we both screamed, <laughs> Is that Brendan Fraser? <laughs> And we started laughing and giggling for like 10 minutes straight. I wish I could have been in the theater for that. You think people had the same reaction we did? Just like, we're just flying out of their seats? <laughs> I don't think so. I doubt that. But when you saw him, didn't you assume that he was going to be in it more? I can't believe that was it. That was literally it. It was actually just a cameo of him refereeing a jousting competition, <laughs> which is just absurd. I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. Yeah, um, my theory is that the guy, because the guy who directed this movie directed the, the Mummy movies, that's why he, he got his old buddy Brendan into this. I mean, luckily, Duke and Ripcord apparently were diamonds in the rough because they <laughs> crushed these tests that were developed for the best of the best of the best, right? Yeah, I was really worried that they weren't going to pass. You know, and, I was edge of my seat. I hope they pass. <laughs> But they scored like, what did he say? The top? 99th percentile. Yeah, that was ripcord for the one test. The and then they told Duke later that he was in the top half of a percent. I mean, granted, these are military guys, so they're going to be good at shooting and fighting and stuff like that. But they were just normal military guys. Yeah. These weren't Navy SEALs or mm -hmm. anything like that. And they wound up going in and destroying they were gods. These, these tests all of a sudden. <laughs> Wouldn't they already be in G.I. Joe if they were that good? So we, we meet Storm Shadow, who was the, the white ninja. He doesn't have a mask. He's wearing like hip trendy costume. You said you actually liked him though, right? Yeah, I thought that guy did a decent job. Although I will say that hearing McCullen call him Storm Shadow to his face was just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing when you're playing with toys and you're watching a cartoon and someone's named Storm Shadow, but to see two real life human beings talk to each other and one refer oh, to the okay, other as Storm on. Shadow. Hold, hold, hold on, pause. Okay. <laughs> so it's okay for Commissioner Gordon to say Batman. You're okay with that? Yeah, I am. That's What's the difference? Storm Shadow? <laughs> it's just it's such a silly name. Oh, okay. That, that, come on. 
All right. I, I, okay. After this, the GI Joe team, they're confused. They're like the Baroness. Who is she? So they say, they, this is what they say. They say, we have every person's picture on the <laughs> yeah. planet in this database <laughs> yep. because everyone's picture is taken at some point in their life. And we have it in this database and they break every civil liberties <laughs> law in the world <laughs> by searching for her face in this database. What do you think of this? My favorite part was that they couldn't really find it until like the next day. Oh, yeah. Even though Duke, Duke, Duke knew like, it. It's like, I know who she is. He Here's gave your picture. Them her name. And it still took them until the next day to actually pull up those pictures. But yeah, I guess, I guess you got to be careful what you put on Facebook these days, right? Yeah, this is on par with that stupid uh, cell phone radar thing that was in the dark night. I think that was worse than this. Oh, yeah. That was a huge civil liberties uh, yeah. <laughs> violation. Yeah. Okay, we ne- after this, we find out that the Baroness and Cobra Commander were brothers. How convenient, yet again. They were siblings. They're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I, think they were, I don't think the Baroness was his brother. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> we're just jumping from point to point. I feel like we're not delving into it because there's really nothing to talk about. No, right? it's just one action scene after another with a few fillers in between <laughs> to kind of give some direction to it. But it's paper-thin plot. What did you think about just how they did this movie. And by that, I mean, it was very cartoonish and real at the same time. Oh, right? the tone. They, they, yeah. They tried to kind of mold that together. Yeah. They didn't do a good job. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like um, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull kind of thing. Like, it's really kind of goofy. And I feel like they couldn't decide of whether they wanted to go like, let's make this a real life cartoon, which uh-huh. they did in some regards. Or do we want to take this seriously? That's a really a real good movie? point. Real life cartoon that, or comic or something. That makes sense. And I think it could have been better if they pushed it all the way that to, to be like a live action cartoon. Who's the audience for this movie? Ah, see, I was just thinking that. Children. There's no doubt. And you think, you would think, why would you make a remake of the G.I. Joe franchise? Who gives a shit about G.I. Joe except for people that were born in 1982 or whatever, right? Yeah. You know, that's it. That's your audience, right? You pander to them. You pander to people that were born in the 80s. Did they? No. No. They pandered to people that were born in 19, like, no, they were born in 2000. Yes. Uh, to, to assert, to, with the tone of the movie, yes. This movie is an extended toy commercial, which makes sense given the source material. Yeah, but I don't think it is because the age group you're talking about is, is what, like 8 to 12? Yeah. There was murder throughout this movie. There was some murders in here. There was blood, people getting stabbed, shot, like... That's not for... There was that one scene where the guy, his body rotted away and decomposed <laughs> yes, yes. in front of our eyes. And it, like that girl that got stabbed early on when they infiltrated yes. the Joe headquarters. She had blue blood. Like that was, those, those brutal scenes. Sure. The end fight between the ninjas yeah. when Storm Shadow was getting all cut up. Like that's not for that age group. <laughs> I'm sure they loved it, though, little kids. I guess, but th- it was confu- It was confusing because those right, the, the, scenes were those were for us. Yeah, for the people that grew up watching that stuff, but now are older. I I want to say more sophisticated, but I don't necessarily think it's true. That was th- those scenes were for us, and the rest of that movie was for children. And I think they needed to pick one. But if you wanted people to embrace this movie the way I think some people embrace like Ghostbusters, yeah. I think you needed you needed to pick your audience. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was schizophrenic. Yeah, that's the best way to describe mm-hmm. it. Do you remember the GI Joe cartoon movie where they battled the drug dealers? Yeah, I think one of them was actually addicted to drugs. Yes, he battled his addictions. Yeah, <laughs> okay. That had way more emotional content than this movie. That did. cartoon was more adult 
it was it, live it, action it definitely movie. was i would choose to watch that movie that cartoon movie over this live action movie any day of the week okay so cobra's i keep saying cobra it's not cobra isn't in the movie they haven't it's risen co- it's yet it's cobra it's fine it's the rise of cobra they haven't risen yet we so, know who they are all right so the bad guys their plan is they're going to bomb the eiffel tower with these nanites so it destroys it and then i guess they're going to destroy all of paris Mm-hmm. That's their goal. Cobra has the warheads already. Yep. They have these extremely dangerous warheads with the nanites in them, but they need the Baroness's husband, who is a physicist, because he works at like a, a, a super collider or She's something. She's a baron and a physicist. What a catch, you know. <laughs> She's done a good job. Yeah, yeah. So they go to him and they say, we want you to weaponize this for us. He's working in a particle accelerator. He's just a physicist. They bring him this technology he's never seen before and tell him to weaponize it. What does that even mean? What does that mean? Isn't it already a weapon? If those things shattered, <laughs> the nanites get out, right? <laughs> I don't under I don't, I don't understand. It doesn't make it explode. I didn't understand it at all. You you could make the argument that maybe he had to activate them. Okay. But the the person who invented the, the nanites <laughs> is the one who gave it to them in the first place. Yeah, that's a good point. So then it it devolves into this chase scene through the streets of Paris. Yeah, they finally down their super suits and we get to see them in action. And I know you were looking forward to that. I was, because this is the scene that was most prominently shown during the trailer. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those movies where you saw the trailer attached to every single movie. Oh, right yeah. Here. So I got to see them pirouetting and flipping around in those super suits multiple times that year. And I got to admit, I kind of like this sequence as, as over the top as it was. What would you think of it? Yeah, I had the same feeling. I mean, at this point, you kind of know what you're in for for this movie. And you just kind of enjoy the visual spectacles when they come. Yeah, like they're in these big bulky suits they're they're like they're as bulky as the bicentennial man like they're really bulky looking and they're running at like mach one yeah they're going pretty fast although they really couldn't catch the car very well i i I thought that too i was like man aren't they wearing super fast suits yet this car is not running them yeah come on anyway (laughs) scarlet is on a motorcycle and this and the motorcycle blows up or whatever and Mm -hmm. she decides to get off the motorcycle okay fine very sensible thing to do. Yeah. Right? How would a normal person get on a motorcycle? They would jump to the side, a lateral movement. So what yeah. does Scarlet do to go to the motorcycle? She does a 50-foot <laughs> vertical leap off of the motorcycle. What happened there? And she what, wasn't what? wearing one of the suits. She wasn't wearing a super suit nope. and she landed on the ground and no problem. What was that? And then and then after this, I, I thought they did something that was really confusing to me. You had another confusing scene in this movie. Yeah. So they're they're in the, the bad guys are in their SUV. They're getting away, and the snake eyes goes underneath the SUV, and he starts shooting out the tires. Yeah. Finally, after like twenty minutes of chasing, finally someone thinks to shoot the tires out. Yeah. And so he's he's shooting out the tires, and then he just like stops and lets go. And then uh, Storm Shadow, he's like, he gave up. <gasps> he never gives up. And then they get hit by a train. They're it's hit good, by line delivery. Yeah, they're hit by a train dead on. Yep. The thing flips a hundred thousand times in the air, it crashes onto the ground, and everybody's just like, oh, 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 oh. never mind you that the warheads that they have with the nanites are in a glass <laughs> container. Yep. For, but forget about that. Yeah. So these nanites, they get released, right? Yeah, they the Eiffel Tower. Devouring the Eiffel Tower. And there's a kill switch. There's one handheld computer thing. By, by the way, I'm going to say this right now. I thought that the nanites looked like a stink cloud. 
like a gas yeah, fart cloud. That's a really good description. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Okay. They as soon as they hit the Eiffel Tower, like immediately, they start devouring like everything. Yes. There's this kill switch. It's like a handheld computer. That all you have to do is click disarm and they stop. And the whole in- the whole point of that is that they were they were made a big deal about having that and making sure they were going to be able to stop that so that it didn't get out of control, right? If you're a terrorist, <laughs> Why would you stop it? Why wouldn't you start it and then tell the world, hey, I'm the only one that can stop this? Wow. Whoa. So I'm going to let it go until you do whatever I want and then I'll stop it. Isn't that your plan? If you're an evil genius? Or even, you know what? More terrifying. If I'm going to really be evil... Drop it in the mid, like in the middle of the United States. Oh yeah, where there's like really not much there. But it's slow. But it's, it's like a yeah. ticking clock. Yes, and just be like, look, this is making its way to the coast. That's where most of the people live. You know, you got this this many hours until you better pay up, pony up, or whatever. Yeah, Kevin, why are we writing this movie? <laughs> That's awesome. That would have been great because you could have had all those scenes of people looking at a war room and like a map of the United States and like, like you know, things yeah. spreading out. That would have been great. It would have added some urgency to the movie. Which movie had none. No, 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 no. Pretty ridiculous. Okay, you call that ridiculous. How about this? They got away. We'll never find them. Wait a minute. I have a picture of them. <laughs> Look. <laughs> they're in the snow. Oh, okay. They must be in somewhere cold. Okay. Look at his shadow. If they're in the snow, I can use trigonometry to triangulate their shadow. I have never even heard of such a thing. They use <laughs> it doesn't exist. They use the man's shadow to triangulate where on earth. There's there's no way that that's possible. Can't you just be standing anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, this movie just keeps going on. I know, and really, on and on. I have, I have a I have a really important note here. I wrote down. I don't know what is happening. <laughs> yeah, I, I could tell that because we were talking during the movie and I was like asking questions and stuff and you were just like, I don't know. This is all over my head. That's a big problem, right? Like yeah. This movie is like, what the hell's going on here? What is the plot? What is people's motivations? Why are they doing anything? It got way too sophisticated. Which is ridiculous, right? Yes. It's a weird thing to say about this movie. I agree. So, uh, sophisticated is not the word. Convoluted, okay. maybe? Yeah, convoluted, complex. Yeah, sophisticated is not the right word. Pointlessly so. I mean, like, again, yeah. like, they wanted it both ways. They wanted this campy farce, and then mm-hmm. they also wanted this, I don't know, I don't know what they wanted, a mystery plot? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was. Yeah, so they, they, they had this, this just massive underwater duel, which I don't even want to talk about because it was just like watching a video game, right? Yeah, it was. It, was just, it wasn't exciting at all. It looked super cheap and, and fake. It's like, I don't even want to talk about it. It was like the same thing you've seen in, in movies where they have space fights. Except it was under the water. Yeah, it was underwater. Yeah, That's the big difference. Stupid. This movie falls apart at the end. I don't even know where to go from here. Yeah, so, you know, you know, we have this sequence where Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, the two ninjas, they finally battle each other. And I, I think this is a nod to Ray Park, who plays snake eyes because he used he played darth maul so all of a sudden storm shadow he gets a, a two swords and links them together now he has a dual bladed darth maul thing yeah and they're fighting in like the uh, what is it like it's the, like a cylinder in the cylinder it was just like, it was like the engine core of of the ship with like sparks flying everything it was, it was straight out of the phantom menace so yeah. i was like oh yeah great that's a great before. movie to reference guys <laughs> that's just what you want to reference a movie that everybody loved the phantom menace <laughs> So McCullen 
Yeah, whatever. Let's let, all right. And 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 he gets burned like two face, and he runs away like a disheveled mutant. And then Joseph Gordon Levitt injects him with nanites that turn his skin to metal. Yeah, great. All right. So he's like Colossus now mm-hmm. from X Men. And the effects for his metal face were a joke. Yeah, because his face was still moving like it was normal skin. Yeah. But it's made of metal. I don't think metals would move like that. Yeah, it, it was dumb. That's it. The end. They, they got, they, everybody gets arrested and they, they, they put him away in superhuman prison tube jail. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. The end. Who cares? <laughs> we'll see you next time for G.I. Joe 2. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the end of this podcast fell apart like the end of that movie did. <laughs> All right, great. Kevin, here's some trivia. Let's uh, let's see if I can lighten the mood here. There's a little trivia of uh, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. The film was nominated for six Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst Supporting Actor for Marlene Wayans, <laughs> Worst Prequel, Remake, or Ripoff or Sequel, with Sienna Miller winning the Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress at the 30th Golden Raspberry Awards. So that was the only win yeah. with Sienna Miller? Yeah, I don't know that she necessarily deserved that. Okay, and and finally, the filmmakers enjoyed working with Dennis Quaid so much that the screenwriter created 10 to 15 more scenes for him. Should have added 50 more scenes for him. He had 10 to 15 scenes in the whole movie. Was he not in it originally? (laughs) Oh, boy. All right, Kevin. So that's... uh, This is is terrible. This is a struggle talking about this movie. It really was. (laughs) I feel drained. All right, Kevin, so let's find out what the real critics had to say about this movie. I could load you up with more plot details, but this mercilessly incoherent, galactically stupid movie left me too numb to type. Peter Travers, Rolling Stone. The only collateral damage is in the audience, where, as you sit through the movie, you can feel your IQ drop by the minute. Richard Corliss, Time Magazine. And finally, watching this movie is a bit like having pieces of metal thrown at your face in a wind tunnel. (laughs) Tim Brayton, Antagony and Ecstasy. All right, Kevin, this movie has a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics did not like it. Is it really that bad? Yes, it is that bad. (laughs) I'm going to give it a one out of five. (laughs) And I'm just going to say again, like, I think, I think this could have been better. I just don't think they had any focus. I don't know that they had the right tone. I don't think they had picked really the right audience. And again, they may have made a ton of money off this, but no one's looking back on this and reminiscing about what great movie it was. Yeah, okay, as for me, is it really that bad? Why, yes. Yes, it is that bad. You know, when we were watching this movie, and particularly doing that that Paris uh, chase scene when they're in the super suits, mm-hmm. which they never used again, I thought to myself, you know, this is pretty cool. This is worthy of a two. But as we're sitting here talking and as it's just like... I just don't care. I don't want to talk about this movie. Like, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I had a better time talking about like Legion and, and Bicentennial Man and stuff like that. Like one, dropping a one. Those movies, to some extent, had some... There's something there. There's some substance. Yeah. This had no substance. You're none right. at all. It was just pure fluff. <laughs> you can't wait for the sequel, I know. See you guys in 2012. If, uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully John Cusack will burst in. He'll save me. <laughs> <laughs> while the world's coming to an end while I'm watching that movie. Okay, so, Kevin, we got a voicemail about this movie. Awesome. To listen to your messages, press 1. Hey, this is Mike from Trinidad, Colorado, and I'm not sure if this exact thing happened in the G.I. Joe movie, 
but it happens in a ton of fighting movies, and it can happen in any order, but basically, at some point in time in the movie, good guy is fighting the bad guy, and the bad guy has a sword or a knife, and the good guy has nothing. He's fighting barehanded. And the good guy's doing pretty good. You know, he's holding his own. Okay, but then at some other point in time in the movie, they both have a knife or they both have a sword. And the good guy's not that much better. He, he doesn't, the, the sword doesn't really improve his fighting that much, which doesn't make sense. If you're that much of a badass that you can fight a guy barehanded when he has a sword, then when you both have swords, I mean, you should just totally work the guy. It shouldn't even be close, right? And I think that this sends a very distorted message to our children about how important a sword is in a fight. And this is something that kids need to know, because knowing is half the battle. End of new messages. That was awesome. Great voicemail, Mike. Thank you. If you would like to hear yourself on the show, you can send us a voicemail at 973-797-YEAH. That's 973-797-9324. Okay, Kevin, so here are some of the answers to the question of the week. And the question was, what movie is more interesting to talk about than it is to watch. Justin writes in and says, The Human Centipede. I had to force myself to watch it in full. It's so badly made and boring, the concept cannot pull the entire movie's weight, even with six pairs of legs. He is 100% correct. That movie (laughs) sucks. It's a piece of crap, but, you know, it's great plot. It's really interesting to talk about. What The the movie that you come up with in your brain is way better than what actually is going on there. (laughs) And Fatty Arbuckle writes in, he writes, Talky, no watchy. For Richard Kelly's previous two efforts, Southland Tales and The Box. By the way, you can almost assuredly expect to see both those movies on this show <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Linklater's Rotoscope Ventures, Waking Life and Scanner Darkly. Both Matrix sequels, Irreversible. David Lynch, entire oeuvre. These, these are great picks, you know. I, I agree. A lot of these movies aren't, especially The Box. That has a great premise. Very interesting to talk about. I agree with you 100%. Now it's time for this week's question of the week. And I guess in honor of G.I. Joe, what cartoon from your youth would you think would make a great live action movie? Go to yasthatbad.com and leave a comment on this episode's page with your answer. Now's the time that we announced the winner of the listener's choice poll. And the theme was video game movies. And the choices were Mortal Kombat versus The Wizard. And the winner is Mortal Kombat. I'm really glad uh, you guys picked this movie. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. So if you want to watch it with us, this movie is currently available on Netflix Instant. So you can play along with us at home. If you've already seen this movie, please, please, please leave us a voicemail. Once again, that number is 973-797-9324. Leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. So tune in next week when we will be watching Mortal Kombat. If you want to contact us, you can send us an email at yeahitsthatbad at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please consider subscribing. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Also, if you're interested to find out what other people think are bad movies, head over to yeahitsthatbad.com and look at the top of the page. I put something up there called The List. And if you click on that, you will see a list that I have compiled of every single movie that has ever been suggested to me that we should do for the show. So go over there and check out what the other listeners of the show think are bad movies. And if you agree or disagree, leave a little comment on that page. It's pretty interesting to see what people like or dislike or whatever. Please leave us a positive review on iTunes. That helps us immensely. Please, please, please give us some five-star reviews.
reviews. That's really helpful. Please tell your friends about us by talking about us on Twitter and liking us on Facebook. And you can do both those things from yeahitsthatbad.com. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at yeah, it's bad. Thanks for listening to the show. See you next time. I have a note here. Channing Tatum sucks? <laughs> Question mark? Because <laughs> he hadn't said anything I've yet. I've seen this before. <laughs> <laughs> I know how this story ends. <laughs> I think there's an exclamation point in his future. <laughs>